Hey, hello, Cherie here, the host and producer of Women's Running Stories. And before we get going, I just want to acknowledge that women need pockets, especially us women who run. And that is exactly why Wazell designed the pocket jogger tights and shorts. They have seven pockets total, including a rear zip pocket, two large side pockets, and mesh pockets at the waist so you can bring everything you need with you on every run. The fabric is soft and compressive enough, but not too compressive. And like all Wazelle products, they just look nice. And these pieces last forever. And I know firsthand because I have several pairs of the shorts and I have the tights in various lengths and they really are just fantastic. I even wear them out in my day-to-day life when I'm not running. So check out the Pocket Jogger tights and shorts at wazelle.com. That is O-I-S-E-L-L-E dot com. The apparel company created by women for women and rooted in running. Again, that's wazelle.com. Hey, Cherie here, the host and producer of Women's Running Stories. And before we get into this incredible episode featuring Hillary Allen, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by The Feed. The Feed is the largest online marketplace for all of your sports supplements and nutrition. You can find over 250 brands there. So so all the products that you know and love, Cliff, Martin, Goo, they have them all. They also have a lot of products that you may not have heard of, but the feed is made for athletes by athletes, and that means that they try and approve all of the products that are offered in the marketplace, so you can trust that whatever you buy is going to be high quality. And as an incentive to go shopping at the feed right now and maybe even get a jump start on your holiday shopping, the feed is offering you $80 credit on the website All you have to do is go to thefeed.com forward slash forward. Yes, it's forward slash and then the word forward. And you can claim your $80 and start your shopping. I wanted to add a big thank you to The Feed for their last four months of sponsorship. It went not only to this podcast, but also to Keeping Track and Hear Her Sports, two other excellent shows that you should definitely check out if you aren't already listening to them. We are the Women's Sports Podcast Collective, keeping her forward, and we're just really thankful that The Feed invested in women's sports media. And again, you can go shopping at The Feed and claim $80 in credit by going to thefeed.com forward. That offer will remain valid through the end of the year. All right, now on to the episode. This whole idea of like coming back, I also had to let go of that because I didn't want to like, everyone was like, oh, the comeback, you know, and I'm like, no, because I'm different now. I'm never going to be the Hillary that I was before all this happened. And that's okay. And it's, you know, it's, I actually discovered that I'm stronger than before. Women's running, running, running. Hi, my name is Hillary Allen, and I'm an ultra-endurance athlete. 
More specifically, Hillary Allen is a professional ultra-distance trail runner, and she's among the best in the world. This is especially the case over steep, technical, mountainous terrain. Hello and welcome to Women's Running Stories. I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. And the story you're about to hear is all about resilience, pushed to the edge again and again. Hillary's journey is truly remarkable, and I'm really excited that you're here to listen to it. If you aren't familiar with Hillary's racing career, it's likely because most of the racing she's done is in Europe, where the style and terrain of the racing suits her, and it's just what she really loves. Hillary is also the author of the book Out and Back, where she chronicles in very fine detail exactly what led people to want to call her journey a comeback. Although, more accurately, you'd have to say comebacks, plural. But like Hillary said, she doesn't like the word comeback because she's not the same as she was before this journey began. And to my mind, a big part of that is because she is a deeply thoughtful athlete. She absorbs the lessons that she learns, and she grows and moves on. Fortunately for us, she is also open to sharing the wisdom that she's gained. So get ready. In this episode, Hillary brings us all the way up to the present, which very significantly includes her running the UTMB, which recently took place at the end of August. A little explainer here if you're not totally familiar with UTMB, and that stands for Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It can refer to both the collection of races that take place over the course of a week in late summer in the Alps, with all of the action based in Chamonix, France, or it can refer to the UTMB race, which is the premier event of that week of races. This race is a full circumnavigation of Western Europe's highest peak, which, yes, is Mont Blanc. And while the UTMB race is the most prestigious of the events of the week, and it is also considered one of the most challenging ultras in the world, the other races in that series are incredibly tough and competitive as well. And you're going to hear Hillary mention one of those events, the TDS, in her story. Suffice to say that the UTMB Festival of Events is the largest, most competitive collection of ultra events in the world. And now back to Hillary. When she isn't racing up and down the tough technical terrain in Europe or elsewhere in the world, she's training and racing on the tough technical terrain near her home in Boulder, Colorado. She relayed her story from there just after returning from her time in Chamonix and the UTMB. Hillary tells her whole story in her own voice. And now let's get to it. Here's Hillary. As athletes, it's like, and I think people, it's easy to focus on the negative. I'm someone who's very goal-oriented and, you know, um, I'm hard on myself. And so when I kind of fall short of my goals or expectations or even perceived expectations that others have put on me, then I, you know, I get a little bit frustrated. And to be honest, like I train really hard, you know, I, and I'm confident in my abilities and I know what I'm capable of. And so when I fall short, you know, it's, it's frustrating, but, you know, I think it can be dangerous if I focus on that too much. And I'm someone who really likes to like journal or like kind of like work through things in my own mind um, to kind of figure out like what's going on. And I did that a lot the week after UTMB and, and I was kind of trying to focus on takeaways. 
I think the biggest takeaway that takeaways that I found was one, how powerful and positive it is to actually be part of a team that believes in you. No matter if you have a bad day, they're still going to kind of be there and, and support you. And the other big takeaway that I had was just like, <laughs> with my whole entire athletic career, I don't know if I need another lesson in resilience, but I I was taught yet again that how incredibly resilient I think we are as humans and specifically that the, how resilient I am. I've been running ultramarathon since 2014 and um, I started out with sky running and I was starting to do like the 30 mile, 31 mile races, like the 50 Ks. And in these races, these sky races, you climb in a, in a about a 30 mile race, you climb about 12 to 14,000 feet. So, so you're climbing that much in like 15 miles and then the other half is like downhill. <laughs> um, so usually these races are very technical. They go, you know, like the most direct way up the mountain, back down again, up again, down. And it's like, it was so fun. So I've been racing in Europe every summer since I started running professionally. And, you know, I've been running since, you know, on a, on a professional level since 2015. So, so I, lo- I love Europe. Um, I love the style of racing. I love, I just love the endurance scene over there. And in 2017, when I would pack up my bags and move to, to Europe for the summer and kind of do these races, because a lot of the sky running races are in Europe because they're just very steep mountains and they don't really believe in switchbacks like we do here in the United States. So um, they can just go up, literally straight up the mountain. <laughs> and in in 2017, I was actually having one of my best seasons. Um, I was winning the, the sky running series for the ultra division. And one of my last races, the second to last race of my season, I was in Norway doing this race. And basically at the halfway point, I stepped on a rock, which gave way underneath my foot. And it kind of propelled me off of a mountain. It was like a, a place like where I couldn't really catch myself. I was just like on this ridge line, And I ended up tumbling and falling about 150 feet. I mean, I was like ragdolling down this mountain when I fell. So like I was moving so fast that both of my shoes flew off of my feet. And miraculously. I mean, like, obviously I lived, I'm here, but I had broken 14 bones in this accident and I I was on a scooter. So both of my arms are broken. I had surgery on my right foot. And so my left foot, which I had also broken some bones in that foot was like the only one I could kind of hobble on. So I was like very limited in mobility. I couldn't walk for three months after this accident, but it was a life-changing moment and it shifted my athletic perspective and you know career I was basically told that I would never run again because of some of these serious injuries specifically with a ligament injury in my um, my right foot So, yeah, you know, it's kind of every athlete's nightmare of like, 
I'm literally the strongest I'd ever been. Saw all this potential for where I could go. And it all changed in, in literally one instance. And yeah, it was scary. I didn't really know what to do and where to start. So um, I had a great PT, so a physical therapist and like a gym that I could go into. And like, um, you know, that became the full-time job, honestly. Like I was in there every day, if not twice a day. Um, and doing like really simple things like mobility, um, like plopping myself on the floor and like doing leg lifts because I couldn't stand, you know, like I did this blood restriction therapy because I couldn't bear, you know, I wasn't weight bearing. So I was trying to do every little thing that was trying to like promote healing in my body. I focused on, you know, good nutrition, um, like things I needed because, and that's also another piece. It's like, oh, it's like athletes can fall into like, well, I'm not exercising. Like I need to eat less. Like absolutely not. I was like hungry all of the time because it took so much energy for my body to heal all of these injuries. So I was just really trying to focus on those things, but also at the same time, focusing on these other aspects that gave me joy outside of sport or, you know, being an elite athlete. Because I didn't want my whole entire identity wrapped up in, oh my gosh, I'm not going to love myself again unless I can get back to this, you know, performance level. That wasn't going to make me happy. Then finally, like over a year later when I was starting to like run again and I actually ran my first race, I ran another ultra I won my first race back and I was seeing all of this like progress and like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I can run again. And I'm actually, you know, I had let go of this idea of being an elite runner, but somehow I had found my way back there again, which I didn't think it was going to be possible, but I believed in myself and I tried. And um, then once I was finally starting to get some momentum and like put like another big race on the calendar, about, this was probably like 20 months after the accident, I was running a routine kind of run uh, by my house. I slipped on an, some ice because it was kind of snowy and I felt a pop and a crack and I fell and I had broken my ankle. And, you know, it was just kind of like the ugly tear cries of like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do this again. And I had to go through another recovery again where I had to have surgery and I couldn't walk again for, I think it was like two months this time. Yeah. So like after this ankle break, you know, it was hit rock bottom, you know, and I didn't really know what to do. But, you know, I guess I had some confidence from my previous experience and my previous, you know, accident of like, okay, well, I got through that, like I know what to do. So I kind of went into recovery mindset again, into into the, like the depths of um, you know rehab and PT. Um, and during my recovery from my ankle break, I actually wrote my book. I did a TED talk, and I was like talking openly about how hard it was to recover, how many demons you face, and you know it's a conversation that I think many professional athletes don't really lean into. But I was really wanted to face it. And, you know, injuries are a part of running. Injuries are a part of sport. Injuries are definitely a part of being a professional athlete because you're trying to get the most out of yourself, but you're on this, like, tightrope. And, and, you know, it's a very fine line between what's going to make you fit and what's going to make you injured.
So I got back to it. And six months later, I ran this race, TDS, which is at the um, Festival of Mont Blanc. And it was the longest race I'd ever done. And I placed second. Like I was 10 minutes behind the first woman, which in a race as long as 94 miles is like pretty freaking close. (laughs) And so it it was amazing. And so I was, again, like super hopeful. Then um, April of 2020, right, literally the um, the day, two days before uh, my book launched in April, I actually had to have surgery on my left foot because I ha- I broke it. Um, and it was so badly broken that <laughs> it required surgery. Um, and so... Yeah, I basically kind of had to go into the depths of recovery. And thank goodness I had written a book and recorded an audiobook because I had something to listen to to remind me that I could also recover from this too. <laughs> yeah, I just I I needed a reminder that that was actually me that went through that because you quickly forget, you know? It's like it's almost like grief. Like the further that you get away from like the like deep grief of losing a friend or losing someone that you love, it's it's almost like a distant memory. You don't really remember how hard it was at first. And that was kind of how I felt. And it was a good reminder to kind of like read my own words or kind of go back um, in the journals where I'd written down like my affirmations and like the feelings of despair that I had and also the little moments of triumph so that um, it inspired me to, you know, bet on myself once again. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Yeah, this whole idea, like betting on myself and believing in myself. And, you know, that's super pretty to say. And like, it's like, awesome. Like, believe in yourself. You got this. But it is so hard to do. And it is something that I, I mean, even now, it's like something I still have to actively work on. But this, like what I'm talking about is like believing in yourself so much that you won't, that I didn't, I didn't give up. Like I kept on doing those, those boring PT exercises even before I could run, even before I like for, for months and months and months when I had no idea if I would even run again, I was trying to focus on what I could do each day to get myself a little bit closer to that goal. And it all started with believing that I could and believing that there was some hope out there that I could get back to doing something that I loved. And even if it didn't take the form of elite running, that I was still going to be, I was still going to try anyways. And yeah, I like wrote affirmations and like literally every day and some days that felt so stupid to be writing, believe in your best athletic days ahead of you when I was, you know, scooting around on the scooter. Or, you know, my foot was so painful that I could hardly walk. But, yeah, it was something that I think it's like planting a little seed 
it's like you have to keep watering it and it seems just like a dirt but then eventually something starts growing <laughs> and you have to keep you know taking care of it with the amount of injuries that i have had and the amount of like rehab and mobility and constant like strength work that I need to do to deal with certain imbalances that are just there because there's some structural damage in my body where my body has like you know things have shifted mobility has shifted and that's important when you know you're training and running and so I do a lot of cross training um, but strength training is something that keeps me very very healthy and you know a lot of body work um, because there's, like I said, imbalances just based on a lot of the injuries and your body's very smart, so it compensates fairly well. <laughs> um, but strength work has just become such an important piece for me. Also, you know, off seasons, taking time to rebuild instead of just constantly um, depleting. And for me, the bike has been an incredible asset. I discovered cycling when I I was not really a kid who cycled that much. I was always just playing in the dirt and running around. Um, but I had discovered cycling in 2019 when I broke my ankle and um, I like specifically gravel cycling. And now it's just become such a tool and I love it so much. So a lot of the, a lot of my, ultra distance races at first they're very technical and I've done some very hard races that they might be shorter in distance but they run kind of similarly to this like 100 mile distance and I think a lot of Americans or just people in general are kind of attached to this nice round number um, but throughout all of all of my racing I had never run 100 miles and so one of the courses that inspired me the most was this course UTMB. So it's Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. You tour around the Mont Blanc, crossing through three different countries. It's just, it's an insane track. All in all, I'll kind of just give some stats. So all in all, the UTMB is 108 miles, um, circumnavigating, like I said, the Mont Blanc. But you climb about 31,000 feet and you descend that much as well throughout those 100 miles. So there's really not that many running, like flat sections. This course, you kind of run through little towns or villages, and then you're climbing up these like mountain passes, and then you're descending into another village for like an aid station to get food and water. And then you're kind of doing that on repeat. So I think it's, it's basically, it's on trail. It's mostly on single track trail. The tallest point in the in the race is just under 9,000 feet, so you're not going terribly high, but the lowest is about 1,000, so you have like some pretty big climbs to do, and there are, there are some like road sections to connect to connect these towns, but it's for the majority of of the whole run, it's on trail, so like there's rocks, there's dirt, like there's uh. You know, there's there's some pretty technical there's some pretty technical places like you're like you're running all on rocks, um, but it's all very steep, so it's just constant. So there's there's a lot of up and down motion, but there's a lot of side to side motion, 
And, you know, <laughs> the longer you're out there, it gets a lot harder to be agile on the trails. <laughs> so this race was something that I wanted to do. Um, I used to live in France. And so there's this almost a feeling of home associated with the, the Alps and those trails. But last year I attempted it and I had to stop halfway through or a little bit shy of halfway through because during the race, I thought I had kind of rebroken my foot and from kind of a misstep on a, on a rock and some barbed wire that punctured through my shoe. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't, so I, coming into it this year, it was really important for me to finish the race because I know how hard it was mentally to have to walk away from that. And, um, so in, you know, in just true fashion, something that I love, I went there early. I went there about three and a half weeks early and I trained on the course and, you know, I was feeling really good. I'd felt kind of the strongest I had felt, um, physically speaking, um, for, in preparation for this race mentally, I had done a lot of work with my sports psychologist and, um, yeah, I was feeling, you know, I was feeling supported. I had my mom come out to watch the race and my two good friends were there to crew for me. Um, but I think, you know, even though you can come into the to, to races and ultra distance races, like so prepared, things can always go wrong, which is kind of why I love the sport. <laughs> and my UTMB, like it was, uh, I don't know. It was a shit show maybe at first. Um, <laughs> um, but the basically I had some, it's a night start. So it starts at 6 p.m. And so you run through the night and that comes with all sorts of challenges because the Alps are notoriously wet and it can snow and it can be cold. We didn't have really any of that weather, but my stomach for some reason um, kind of didn't cooperate. Um, something I haven't really experienced this exact problem, but Basically, just every time I ate something, I felt like I had to go to the bathroom and, uh, you know, you're running and like there's really no place to duck off the side of the trail and it keeps happening. So, you know, then I basically was trying to nurse my nutrition and then, you know, if you're not eating enough, muscles start cramping. So that was basically the first 50 miles of this 100 mile race. And I came into the halfway point thinking like, ah, this is it. Like, I don't think I can continue. Like running 50 miles in 11 and a half hours, I was off my pace. I was cramping. I had only eaten like 600 calories. I was just empty and my mind was like spiraling. I just was not happy. But I took about an hour there to regroup and I ended up digging myself out of a hole kind of like, you know, um, mentally speaking and physically. First and foremost, for during that, I think it was a little bit shy of an hour, but I was eating. Like, I had to eat because I was in such a hole calorically and, like, my muscles were cramping. And, of course, you're in a bad mood when you just can't eat and you have no energy and you still have, like, 50 more miles to go with, like, an in, like insane terrain and climbing. Um, so that was what I was doing. I actually called my coach, which is something that I don't do. And he was like, yeah, he's like, Hill, you can keep going. Like, just, you know, just to try to um, – get myself into this mindset. Um, but you know, it wasn't even that straightforward. Like I, I knew even when I sat down, like I was so embarrassed because I wasn't having, you know, the day that I'd planned, but I knew deep down that I didn't want to quit. And so it took me a bit 
like I just needed time to just like kind of be in my own head to not listen to those like negative thoughts or those thoughts of judgment and then choose to listen to the ones of saying, okay, but you still want to keep going. So let's find a way to keep going. And so then with every piece of food I ate, I was kind of like telling myself that. And then um, basically I, I just ate and I told myself that, you know, to this is maybe not the day you're hoping for, but let's still, you know, try the best that you can. And I, I told myself, you know, it's just like one step after the other. Like that's how, that's kind of how you can get it, get it done and break it up into digestible chunks. I had run the course before, so I knew what was coming. So I just told myself to get from, you know, aid station to aid station and um, just focus on that. And I fell back to 30th position but my stomach started to respond again as that was moving. And so that was, um, you know, with every kind of progress that I felt with that, um, it, was a, it was a step in the right direction, like mentally as well. And then I ended up working my way back to 14th. And in fact, um, as I entered the streets of Chamonix for the finish line, I out sprinted a woman for the finish line. <laughs> um, so I finished a hundred mile race running a six thirty minute mile. At first I felt really, you know, disappointed because I had come into this race with the confidence that, you know, if I had a good day, I could, you know, place top 10. If I had a great day, I could podium. And I kn I still know that that's what I'm capable of, but like I had such a special moment with, I actually, I switched teams this year to Brooks running. Previously I was with the North Face and it was a new team. And I think I was putting a little bit too much pressure on myself. Um, and, uh, you know, at the finish line, like 50 people from the Brooks team from like the offices and the, the athletes were there at the finish line to welcome me in. And in fact, it was my birthday when I started UTMB. Um, <laughs> they were singing me happy birthday at the end. And I think it was one of like the most special team moments I've ever had. That was amazing. And then I think, yeah, I feel you know, hopeful for the future and really proud. This was a race that I had never experienced that like depth of a low and everything within me like wanted to quit, but there was something there that had to be stronger that I listened to that told me to kind of find a way and problem solve and keep going and believe that it could get better. Yeah, that's basically what I did. It wasn't, it wasn't so pretty. The race took me 29 hours. And I think I was battling my mind and my stomach for about 17 of those. And it was kind of amazing to look back on my times and look at how actually of a strong of a second half I had, even with, with what had happened the first 50 miles. And that to me is really encouraging. I think it's really cool. It makes me curious about, you know, other races and um, just also in general about like what is possible for what you know what we can accomplish if like things get things get rough you know what we can accomplish when things get rough hillary's story has a lot to teach us about that and i'm excited to follow what comes next for hillary allen as she takes her curiosity and her ever-evolving cache of resilience out on new adventures and challenges up next for Hillary, the finale of her season will be the 100-miler 
at Ultra Trail Cape Town, which takes place over the weekend of November 25th. That will most definitely be an exciting race to follow. And I have no doubt Hillary is going to be doing exciting things for a long, long time. And I want to thank Hillary so much for sharing her story. I especially want to acknowledge her willingness to talk through her trauma one more time so she can share the power of her resilience. Her fortitude is, I mean, it's really astonishing. And so is her belief that this is something we all possess, because we all do. And it's a powerful message and one that I think about often now. And I hope it's a message that you can take with you, too, in whatever challenges you face, be it in running or somewhere else in life. I'd been waiting to feature Hillary on the podcast for quite a while, and the stars aligned recently. We were connected through our mutual sponsor, The Feed, so I want to give a shout-out and a thank you to Mia at The Feed for connecting us. Also, I encourage you to read Hillary's book, Out and Back. It goes into a lot more detail about her accident and how she got to where she is today. And of course, I will link to Hillary's book in the show notes, and I will link to her TED Talk. I will also link to all the other ways you can keep up with Hillary, including the podcast Trail Society, which Hillary co-hosts with Corrine Malcolm and Keely Henninger. And of course, you'll also find in the show notes links to our social media, and I would love for you to follow us as well. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I thank you for being here now. I've said it before because it's always true. We love making these stories, but the power of them comes in you listening. So yeah, thank you. And of course, I do not make this show by myself. All of the original music you hear comes from Cormac O'Regan. He also does the scoring of the podcast, and he comes to you from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner does all the design work for the show, the website, the logo, and the social media, all of it. You can find April at bonfirecollaborative.com, and April comes to you from Truckee, California. And yes, I am Cherie Louise Turner, your host and producer. And as always, I'm coming to you from my studio closet in Somerville, Massachusetts. And until next time, I wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. 
My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman.